to take time with Maeve Ashton. I am so excited about my guest this week. Uh, he is an amazing DJ, a radio broadcaster, a fitness fanatic, a social media star, a vegetarian, <laughs> and a Reese's lover. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Marty Kilfoyle to the podcast. I'm laughing here. You used a vegetarian. <laughs> I have to. I was like, I want to give Marty a proper like chat, chat show. Uh, like TV show, welcome to the podcast. So I was, I was getting your vegetarian in there. I know. I mean, I, 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 I'd be a terrible vegetarian if it didn't come across within the first thirty seconds, wouldn't I? <laughs> Literally. Well, no one can, no one can slag you about that today because I did it for you. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously, look from, from even just what I just said there in the intro, like you're, you're a busy bee. You're, you've a lot going on. I feel like you've got always got like your fingers in multiple pies. Um. And I was interested to like ask you about that straight away. Is that something that like just happened naturally for you? Or were you, I suppose for me, I think the day of having, you know, uh, one job and one source of income is just kind of gone. Um, and I think it's really cool that we can kind of, you know, have, have various outlets and various ways to like have an income and have a career. Is that something that naturally happened for you? Or was it something you kind of mindfully got into or did? I think, I think for me, it was like, an accident in a way. I, I think when you work in media in Ireland, there's like, um, it's so small, you know, it really, really is. Ireland's such a small country when it comes to it that if you want to be in one part of media, which to me when I first started out was always radio, it nearly looks better if you're doing a whole lot of other things as well, you know? So like anything that came in, I was always just open to saying yes to it. If it in any way benefited what at the time was going to be my dream career, which was radio, you know? And I still love radio, but obviously as my career went on, like my, my dreams kind of started changing because like you said, I was doing loads of everything and I kind of realized, well, I love radio so much. I really, really do. But oh my God, I really love DJing. <laughs> so, um, and like they kind of worked hand in hand as well. You know, it was the case where it was like, it could be, it could have been considered one job, but even things like hosting events and stuff and all, I just felt like every job that I said yes to, had like an end goal and that was to kind of like you know build up a little bit of a profile you know every job counts every hour of work every half an hour of work was all going towards the end goal so again if it was contributing to my profile in any way at all I was like yeah let's do it let's go and do it who cares so that varied from being a barman on Fair City just kind of being on set with people who are actors I never wanted to be an actor but just kind of being like on set with these people who had kind of succeeded in their own fields to me was the reason why I would do that. Obviously I did it for the money as well. Like I was in college, but, um, so yeah, it's kind of something that I kind of fell into by accident, but something that I realized that I felt like I had to do. Some of them might tell me you didn't have to do all that to get to where you wanted to be. But at the time I definitely thought it was something I had to do just so I could meet more people and yeah, really get my name out there. Yeah. I love that. Um, and like that, so you said like you kind of dived into loads of different things and, you know, been an extra on TV, even from when you were quite young. So like were your parents very supportive of you kind of go and look, you know, trying all of these different things out? I suppose it sounds like you would really need a lot of support to kind of try out these new things as a young, you know, teenager when you first started out doing this kind of thing. Yeah, they were great. They really, really were. Um, I do think my mom at one stage did want me to go down the law route because that's what she did. Um, and one of my, my leaving story went really, really well. I ended up going uh, with DIT because of a basketball scholarship. Um, but to give you an idea, like I remember I got a loan out um, to, to get a new car when I was like 18 because I bought a car because I was working in a 
during my like I started when I was 13 I know it was illegal at the time but I pretended I was older and I was saving up my money and I got like a little Fiat Cinquecento but I really wanted an upgrade because that was like five six hundred quid and I was like so proud of it but then in my head I was like I've been working for so many years now I want to get myself like a polo <laughs> um but I, did not, I, didn't, I didn't get the polo and I ended up going with a Fiat Punto because I spent half the loan money on a DJ deck setup so my parents thought that I was going out to spend whatever it was, a thousand on a brand new car. And I ended up spending half on the car, but I had a boot full of equipment. So they were kind of like, oh God, what's going on here? But now they know why I did it. And they've been great since, even with the likes of Fair City and stuff. Like, even though I was just an extra, like my mom would watch out for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it'd be literally like a clip maybe of me just in the background pulling a point or something. But uh my nana too, like she used to like record, record it, like because she knew I'd be on that episode. Because any episode that I was in, I knew would be on TV in three weeks. But like I was just in the background, like with my nana waiting three weeks, you know, to to see her grand grandson on TV, even for that split second, like where he's pulling a point in the background. So yeah, they've been kind of like they've been up, they've been like you know positive with absolutely everything. I mean, some jobs have come in, and I've asked them their opinion, like. I, and I've actually never really spoke about this that much, but I was offered a role on Game of Thrones before it was actually popular. Uh, had no idea what it was. Uh, and an agency in Belfast, because they were filming there, sent me on the brief. But they needed me to do full frontal nudity. <laughs> yeah, but the money was good. So I remember the first person I actually asked was my mom. And she, she, was, she was sensible. She was like, look, we don't know what the TV series is. It ended up blowing up to one of the biggest ones like we've ever seen. Like, and you're going to be in a scene in a brothel uh, with one of the main characters, and apparently people barge in. They they want they want to kill her, like you know. And I'm with her, and I'm just naked, and they end up murdering me, and I have to hit the floor, and everything's just flopping around the place. And uh, I ended up saying no to it, and I got that advice from my mum. And I look back now, and I'm thinking that was you know. A great idea. That was a good decision. <laughs> yeah, God damn it, Mom. <laughs> I could have been famous. I could have been really, really famous in Game of Thrones. But you're happy that you, no, you didn't do it. it. Was just, but like, I, am, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't know. But anytime I speak to someone who does watch it, and I tell them about the scene and, and the woman that was part of the script, they all know who I'm talking about. So that's why I'm like, hey. I'm so good. They all would have just been watching Game of Thrones. All of a sudden, I'm on screen with everything just hanging out like. <laughs> so, so yeah, I always home for that one for sure. So you got good advice there. You got good advice. But obviously, and I just realized I didn't even explain how you and I know each other. I was just like straight in. <laughs> Marty is on a tight schedule, straight into the questions, Maeve. But um, obviously, you know, DJing and broadcasting is your first love. And that's how we met. We both worked in a radio station and beat one or two or three back in the day. <laughs> Beat one on two and on three. Oh yeah, my god! Give Gabriella shout out and Niall and everyone. Um, but yeah, so like we 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 go way back. I was, I was actually like when prepping for this, I was like that was like eight years ago now that we met, which is crazy. Maeve um, was like a little baby starting out and uh, had all these dreams. You still are a baby, by the way. Like, <laughs> but, uh, I remember when um, I remember first like when I first met you and then I held you or I couldn't believe it because you were like you were just seemed so much older and then you were like everyone says that to me everyone thinks I'm older I'm the mature one <laughs> you know Almighty, I still get that like I still get it now that I'm 25 nearly 26 people are like 
you're not in your thirties. And I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> not from a looks point of view. It's like more so from like a, you know, kind of how you act point of view. You would have been 20, 21, like, you know, and uh, I definitely thought you were older, like way older. So yeah. Yeah. I'm like, let's please clarify that I don't look really old for the record. Oh, yeah. Don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's amazing to see, you know, like, obviously, look, you were doing great when we first met anyway, but just how far you, you have come since. And like, I have loved kind of, you know, keeping an eye on everything you've been doing. But that's just something I wanted to say to you. I think like, you're, you're like, you're so well known, just like even in Ireland and in Dublin, everyone knows you, everyone I've met along the way, because our paths have crossed for other areas of work over the years since. Um, and in every place I've worked, Someone else in the office knows you. Someone else we're working with knows you. Everyone always has such high things to say about you. And I think that's like such a reflection on you that every time, like when you meet people, like you stay connected with them, even if you don't see them all the time, you always still have the same amount of time for them down the line. And I think that's like a really admirable quality because like that, when you're in an industry like this, where you get to know so many people and you know, you're on the go, it will be very easy to forget about people and you don't do that. So I just, I think that's really lovely. <laughs> Thank you, but I, I think we're lucky that we're in an industry as well where people are actually so nice. So the sounder people are, the easier it is to keep in touch with them because you want to keep in touch with them. You know? Like, I mean, me and you, could, we're having a chat here. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw you. I would hate to put a time frame on it because it make me feel like such a bad friend, like, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, we're both like that. It was probably like body and soul three years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For festivals, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> But so from that, like obviously with your broadcasting career and your DJ and your music career and your DJ. And so like, when did kind of social media take off for you? Because obviously you're very well known on social media, both, both for your music, but also for, you know, being almost a personality at this point and for, you know, what you put up in terms of fitness. So when did that really kind of take off for you or can you pinpoint it? Um, I was actually late to the Instagram party, funny enough. Um, when I was working for Spin, I was in, in Spin a year, and I was part, a part-time presenter and a part-time Spinny. And one of the girls in the, the Spinny team, she turned around to me and she was like, at the time I was doing really well on Vine uh, and Twitter, they were my two ones that I was kind of like juggling then. She was like, why aren't you on Instagram? And I was like, oh, the effort of a new social media. I feel like that that's going to happen over the last couple of years. It kind of becomes a trend. Like when TikTok started, for example, and you like so against the idea of putting another social media app on phone. But she sat me down on lunch, on lunch break and was like, you need to download Instagram. You have to do it. And I, and I did it. And then obviously now it's like, it is part of my job. It's, it's almost like an advertising platform for my music, really. TikTok then kind of came along in December when I was so against the idea of another social media app. But I was like, the, the music, was, music was coming from TikTok and it was going straight into the charts. And I was like, as an artist, I need to be on this app and see what's trending and try get one of my own songs trending as well. And then I had a couple of videos then in January, February that TikTok just really liked and just really pushed for me. They, one of them is in, I think it's like 25 million views and 4 million likes, which to me were numbers coming in. I was like, I felt like I was like, you know, I'm keeping up with the Kardashians. I felt like I had like, the, I felt like I had the, 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 the you know, the, the ability to now apply to be Kylie Jenner's best friend. I literally could go, I've got a video with 4 million likes. We should totally be friends. Like, <laughs> so I just kept at it then. Yeah. My following kept growing. Like I'm, I think I'm near 400,000 on that now. And yeah, I just post cringy videos and even if people don't like them, they still tend to watch them and it makes me happy. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it makes you happy and it makes everyone else happy because your content's definitely like very, you know, positive focused. But like, that's you. And like, I think that anyone who knows you in real life knows that that's exactly you. You're very positive. You're very upbeat. And I don't, to be honest, I don't know how you have the energy because like you work so much and like you work so late into the night and like up again the next day. I'm like, how does he still have this energy? You know, Um, so it's really impressive. But Literally just out of bed here. Big. (laughs) You can see it and everything, like, and you're like, "Hey, you have so much energy." I'm sitting here right now, and I'm like, "I don't right now." <laughs> like, you look great, Marty, and look like. Luckily for you, <laughs> listeners can't see you, so they can just take my word for it. <laughs> oh, oh God! Here's me thinking that they were good watch as well. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> but um, I look the best I've ever looked. Thank you. <laughs> best you've ever looked. Um, but obviously, look as I said, like I think social media has been a really good springboard for you for your music. It's also opened an up, up another avenue for you in terms of like, you know, brand deals outside of your music and just like you're, you're, you're an it gal on Instagram these days. But um, obviously there's a dark side to all of social media um, and you, you were in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. But of course, you, 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 in Marty's style, you've, you've come out stronger than ever. But look, I think we, we have to kind of touch on it. So for anyone who, who doesn't know, and um, I'll just kind of recap briefly, um, Marty, about two weeks ago, um, entered into a Ireland's first TikTok house, content house, which kind of follows the format of the Hype House um, in the States, along with many other content houses that are out there now. Um, and the idea behind it is to bring, I suppose, like-minded content creators together um, and to create new content, better content and try and grow like your individual following for, you know, whatever reason you have behind it. Obviously yours would have been music. And um, mm. what should have been a really positive thing went, you know, quite sour very quickly for you. Um, and, you know, to no fault your own. And it was all down to, you know, basically Twitter trolls and people coming out of the dark corners of the internet. Um, and, you know, it was, there was a very couple, well, what I would imagine was a very, very tough couple of days for you um but obviously look it was amazing to see so many people come out um to to back you and in support of you during that time as well but how was that for you how was that kind of crazy week and a half for you it was um it was kind of it was, it was mental like it was, there's no other way of putting it like there was one night actually i, I had you on the I was chatting to you where i i just didn't know what to do i was like and i don't get angry i honestly don't get angry but I was just so angry at the world. Like I was so angry and I felt like that part of me then ended up taking it on the wrong people as well. Like I just couldn't believe that like, um, I just couldn't believe that someone had started like a a thread that was implying that I went into that house for, for sexual purposes. I was like, I could not believe that that's how they, you know, like the first tweet, the house like was, and and, like, I, I, I was when when the guys came to me, like I was off they, the way they'd offered it to me, they were like, Look, you add up all your social media channels, combined you're at half a million. I wanna put you in a house with people who are in a similar situation. I didn't even ask you who was gonna be in it. I was just like, Yeah <laughs> straight off the bat. I was like, if other people are in there with the same size following as me across TikTok and stuff, I'm like, Well, that makes sense to me. Like I never I never even thought about asking what gender they were, you know, mm-hmm. like what color they were, like how old they were. I was just was like, yeah, sign me up. And it was actually, it was actually through you that there was two of the people that are going to be in it later on after I'd said yes. 
And I still didn't think there was an issue with it because in my head, I was like, well, hang on. Like, once you turn 18, 19, you are an adult and you're finished school. Like, I was 18 when I first lived outside of my home and I lived with, I lived with women who were older than me. I had one girl that I was in who was, who was 29 and I was 18. This is over in Lanzarote. And I never thought anything about it. I never, okay, a couple of times, like, she would turn around to me and she'd be like, what are the cool kids at these days? And we joke about it. Like, but we, nobody ever, even even our friends and people who are working with us never thought, oh, it's so weird that Louise is living with Marty. She's 29 and he's 18. Like, yeah. so people who were in the house, it turned out that I actually only found out the other two girls who were going into the house, one the day before and one on the day. So I knew two of the girls that were going, uh, and I knew one was actually going on 20. She's 20 and she's 20 in like four or five months. And the other is, I can't remember exactly. I was like, grand, happy days. In my head, there was other people who were going to be in the house who were in their 20s. And I was like, this is fine. Like, I didn't, I never thought it was going to be twisted the way it was. Yeah. And some people who knew who I was and basically was like, there's something predatory about Marty Guilfoyle moving in a house full of teenage girls. So out of context. And the problem with that was, is there was a pylon effect where people read that tweet and instead of going to do research to find out what's actually going on, they pictured me as almost like a Hugh Hefner character in a house full of teenage girls and they automatically sexualized it. And I was just like, hang on a minute. <laughs> they're, they're literally in the house doing like TikTok dances. I was like, in there like to, to, to do music bits and then we had a comedian we had video creators and i'm like how on earth have they twisted it this way and even even more scary was people believed that tweet within the 160 characters it was and started giving their opinion on someone like me in the house with teenage girls and they were like oh power dynamic pervert pedophile like every name under the sun you could think of without actually knowing what is going on you know exactly and like like that that is there's, there's a couple of things with that that just kind of you know blow my mind but like the point of that is just like for anyone who is listening who doesn't know about it and maybe you know isn't in the twitter sphere of seeing all these tweets like the, the point was there was guys and girls moving into the house the, there was four girls who were say 18 to 20 we'll say that the age range totally ranged 18 to 20 who would have been quite well known and then you were very well known we'll say out of the guys and you're in your, your late 20s and, but there, there was also other guys of the same age and older than you in the house. But it was basically, that was pulled out. It was the girls were pulled out and you individually were pulled out. As you said, that kind of tweet kicked things off. You know, obviously Twitter was going mad with the news in general, but that kind of tweet kicked off this whole thing alluding to, you know, you being a predator essentially, um, which was, you know, totally unfounded and, you know, out of nowhere. But um, it, for me, look, I think, as, as I said, you had so much support and so much love around you afterwards, which, which is what I think is the important thing and the thing to focus on. Um, and like I said, like, I just, like, my heart was so warm, like, seeing everyone on Twitter being like, Marty Guilfoyle is the most genuine, lovely, kind person I have, you know, ever met. And it was just so lovely to see people backing you that way. Um, and obviously, look, you decided to leave the house and, you know, that, that's your decision. But for me, you know, we kind of associate trolls with being these people on Twitter who don't have a profile photo, don't, you know, have a name, they're not traceable. But actually what I really realized during this time was it's not just that, it's the people like me or you or anyone else who put out a tweet 
you know, that they think is either funny or just like their opinion or, and as you said, most of them hadn't done their own research. It was based on other tweets, but it's mm-hmm. the people who think it's not going to affect you. And that's because look, the, the, the dark kind of t- Twitter troll world, I don't know how much we can do about that, but we can all make a conscious effort to think before we type about what we mm-hmm. say. And, you know, it's, it's that, it's the like people just going, yeah, that is really weird, but they haven't looked into it or they didn't, you know, have their original thought on it. Um, and I just think like that's the, the, the bit we can change and everyone can kind of pause to think about that. Um, and like I saw this thing on Twitter yesterday, just a random girl tweeted um, being like, I, I placed a, pl- a place I handed a CV into two years ago rang me today. Like, do you still need a job? Isn't that mad? I still do and all. And her tweet like, you know, kind of blew up and loads of people were resharing it because they just thought it was gas. Um, but I was looking under it and like, this is just like, she's got 200 followers on Twitter. Like she's like anyone. Um, but someone wrote under it going, uh, looking at the amount of shite you tweet every day, it looks like you could do in a job to oc- occupy some of your time. And this is just one of many, but like someone replied to that saying, to that person who tweeted, your life would have been absolutely no different just not saying this. And that's what I just, uh-huh. that's the point. You did not need to tweet that, but there was just no need for it. And I just, I just thought everyone needs to kind of pause and take a step back and think, about what they're putting out there. Uh-huh. I think you're so right. You nailed it. I didn't see that tweet, but you didn't see some of those, hearing you say some of those replies. Like, the, the, what you said is perfect. I think you're entitled to, 100% entitled to opinion, and Twitter is there as a forum. If people post opinions. I get that. But I think that, yeah, I think you can have an opinion, and then I think that it just becomes nasty, you know? And I think if your opinion gets to the point where it is nasty, I think that you should just kind of go, hang on a minute, should I, should I post this? And, and the thing when it came to what my situation was, is that, like, if you were on Twitter on the first day and it was all the negative stuff that kind of kicked it all off, like, my name was the number one trend in the country for the wrong reasons. And if you clicked into that, I can understand how easy it is to believe but at the same time, like none of these people were tagging me. And I was kind of like, stop being a coward. You know, the kind of way it's like, you know I'm on Twitter, you know I'm on social media, you know, like that's the bit that really annoyed me. I was like, you don't even have the balls to tag me in this, you know? And I was kind of like, just tag me. If you wanna if you wanna say something and you and you in your head you think your opinion is so worth hearing and you think that what I'm doing is wrong, you should be tagging me, you know, you mm. should be ma- making sure I see it do that because they know deep down deep down they know what they're doing isn't right uh, and this kind of came into effect on the saturday it implying that when i was in college sexually active with a 15 year old girl and i was like hang on now this is going a bit too far here you've literally made this up but he he came into my dms when he saw that i'd seen it and was sweating he was like i'm sorry it was insensitive it was a joke i don't see how that's a joke you know it's it's a legal activity i don't see what's funny about that you know and so in his head he was like i didn't think you'd see it so when people are posting these things and they're not tagging the people involved they they think that they're going to get traction from people who agree with them and then at the same time they're kind of hoping that the person doesn't see it do you get me that's what and that's what that like you know if you have such a if you're allowed people are like we're entitled to you can do all this if you're entitled to your opinion and you want me to change what I'm doing because you think it's wrong then tag me or send me a message you know like 
Yeah, and like I, it, part of me, like, because obviously, like you know, you came out and spoke spoke about it, and you cleared the air. Like you very quickly were able to, you know, explain what the full situation was. And everyone, like, nobody has a problem with it now. Everybody's, like, basically understands and realizes, like, you know, you didn't do anything wrong and you weren't the only person in that age group in the house and all of the rest. Mm. Like, Twitter didn't blow up with over that. And I'm like, where, if yeah. everyone who tweeted something about you tweeted to apologize or to say, I have now been educated on the situation and I understand. But it's hilarious. They all went quiet then. And it's, I'm like, well, you should have to come back out. I clarify. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yourself on Twitter. But I heard from today opposite to an extent because what happened was is when people realized what was happening and they posted essentially like defamatory tweets uh they actually started deleting them because when when the whole thing had passed i had taken screen the messages because um just to kind of have like i didn't plan on using them ever but i just wanted to have them because tweets were coming in by the second about me and i wasn't able to keep up with all of them but what i did was is i remember some of the really nasty ones i went back to their profile to see if I could find them. Two of the accounts that actually blocked me afterwards, in other words, they didn't want me to see their profile at all. And a lot of the other tweets were deleted. So wow. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I think there was about eight tweets that I went back to see if they were still there. Two of the accounts. Uh, it came up on Twitter. It was like, uh, you were able to view this person's tweets, future predictions or something, learn more here. And I was like, God, they've, they've realized that they posted a tweet about me that is so wrong and get them in that they've actually gone and blocked me because they are they're, they're worried that like I see the, see the tweet not knowing that they that I've actually already seen it and yeah they went and they blocked me mad like but it's exactly that it's like realizing that they did something wrong but like I heard Fanula J say the other day it was it was actually in reference to you know um, Jess Brennan and the whole Berlin B two thing but you know she was making the point yes we are all entitled to our opinion but have your opinion in the comfort of your own home with your family or your friends like. It, where does it get to the point where you think you need to tweet it? And like, look, you know, I, I, I'm sure that I tweeted something, you know, maybe not directed at someone, but something with my opinion that I felt the world of Twitter needed to know at some point. Yeah. But it's hilarious because it, over the years, I don't use Twitter like that anymore. I literally use Twitter to, you know, get information about what's, go, you know, what's going on and sh- reshare specific things. I haven't like tweeted a thought. Actually, I tweeted, you know, about how great you were a week ago. That's probably the first actual thought on Twitter in years because I just was like I can have my opinions but I, like I, well now I'm here at the podcast and people are hearing my opinions but like I just don't need to give people we don't need to sit at home and give opinions on 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 people like online it just doesn't need to happen but um no. I don't want to keep talking about it because that's only a tiny bit of what I want to talk to you about um and obviously look it's it's just a huge thing that's going on at the moment but uh, well look it's it's Book is closed on it. Book is closed. You you have spoken on it, and look, you know you're a great guy, and um, anyone who knows you knows that. But um, social media is obviously only a tiny part of what you do, and obviously broadcasting and you know DJing is your your number one love. So how is obviously you've had new music out, but how has kind of COVID been for you? Are you missing the clubs, missing DJing? Um, uh, how many people right now just want to like get the shift against a sweaty wall with someone that they've spoken to before we're all craving it it's part our culture as irish people is you, you work your ass off five days and saturday comes around you look forward to your chinese your pizza you go for a couple of pints in a bar and then you stumble to a nightclub like that is our routine like you know and it's just been taken off us and it's it's gotten to the stage where yeah obviously i miss clubs from um 
from a work point of view, but like I miss I miss clubs from a, a social life point of view as well. Like some of my best memories from my life are in nightclubs. And um, from a music point of view, then lockdown has actually been very productive because in my head I'm kind of like thinking about what's coming next. And I, I hate to say this, but like lockdown, while I've missed the gigs, it's actually benefited me. Um, I'm about I'm about to sign like a record deal that is a dream come true that I would never have ever thought would happen because to me these people are were so far away you know it's like how do I even how do we even get in touch with these guys and they've reached out to us in the last couple of days so it's mental so lockdown for me has kind of paid off and I hate saying that because for a lot of people it's been so like so horrible and so nasty and it's been really really tough. Um, but it kind of has made me sit down and kind of look at what's, what's next. Like, you know, how do we make this work? And yeah, it, this has happened in the last couple of days and I'm just like dying to tell everyone <laughs> and get my next track out there. Yeah. You're sitting on it, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait here. News coming. But, um, <laughs> watch this face. Watch this face. Big, big news coming. Can't talk about it yet. <laughs> and I just did that I just became the person I hate no <laughs> look Marty it was bound to happen eventually but look you're so right you have to like and obviously I know it's you know you're kind of saying um, there was some good in the whole in this period of time with COVID for you um, and I know you say oh I hate saying that because it's it's been such a difficult time for people and it has but I do really think we have to take the good when it comes and we have to take the positives and I would like to think anyone who anyone who's in a negative situation at the moment and this has had negative impacts on them would would be happy for anyone who has had some kind of positivity during it because I mean that's what it's all about. We have to kind of hope for that for other people. And um, listen, Marty, I will leave it there because I'm like I have I've kept you for too long already. But look, thank you so much for coming on to chat to me. Um, I appreciate it so much. And yeah, it's just so lovely to catch up with you. Hey, thank you for having me. I can't believe it's mad to think that like you know. Five years ago when we were in Waterford, if you had turned around to me and said that you'd be interviewing me on your podcast in five years, like we probably would have laughed at it. We probably would have had a drink in our hand. Like we'd be like, yeah, oh my God, you're, you'll be interviewing me one day. <laughs> <laughs> that probably did happen. Those words probably get probably. Like, <laughs> like But here, here we are. So, um, well, look, thank you so much, Marty. And thank you all for listening. Talk to you next week. Dumb, 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 dumb